Thank you, Brother Richard, and daughters. <laughs> it's great to see daughters and father leading in worship. Well, uh, happy Father's Day to you. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. Uh, I want to share a message this morning on Father's Day, how to unslump your life. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to have a little commercial uh, on Sunday mornings, I, I go back in that little room in the back of the church and, uh, and, and go over my message. I'm just not smart enough to come out and study it the night before. And uh, there was a, a copy of 20 books, Steve, called Bible Studies for Life. And in that is an article that I wrote last, I wrote in 2019 entitled, When... You don't know what to say, and it's been reprinted several places by LifeWay, and it's on how churches can have a ministry to families with children and grandchildren in same-sex relationships. And it's a touchy subject, but there are about 20 copies back there, and Steve, I don't think anybody's using them, are they? So you can go by there and pick one up and, uh, and, and just uh, read it. And tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. We have a project coming up in 2022 with Broadman and Holman. And my wife said I could do it, but I got five things to do before I do that. And so we're going we're gonna to be doing that. There's a, uh, all of us go through periods of times whenever we have a slump. Now, how do you define a slump? Let me define a slump. To here, here's a good definition of it. A slump is to fall or to sink suddenly into discouragement. And a lot of times, w women are more open about having a need to be affirmed. But men are not. Men want to be strong. They don't want to talk about it. But many times, men go through a slump in a period of discouragement. A lot of times, we're like the parakeet named Chippy, that Max Licato talk, talked about. There was a call-in veterinarian show in Cleveland, Ohio in uh, 1997. A lady called in to the veterinarian and said, I want to talk to you about my parakeet named Chippy. She said, it began this way. The, I decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner, and I was almost finished when the phone rang and I turned around to answer it. Before, uh, I, when I turned around and looked, Chippy was gone. In a panic, I unsnapped the top of the vacuum cleaner, ripped open the bag, and there was Chippy covered in dirt and gasping for air. She said, I carried him in the bathroom, I rinsed him off with a faucet, then realizing that Chippy was cold, she went and reached for the hairdryer and he, I blew all of his hair up on him. And she said, the problem I have is Chippy doesn't sing anymore. All he does is sit there and stare. Now, if that happened to me, that's all I'd do. What about you? <laughs> but you see, we all go through times whenever we experience slumps. You see, even the most spiritual men that God has used have experienced times of discouragement. A man named Martin Luther, who in 1521 or 1530, 1539, wrote 
on, in a place, Wittenberg, Germany, what he called the theses of the faith. And God used him to correct the church. And he was chased by the government for what he had done. And he fell in such a deep depression that he said he stayed in bed for 32 days. One of the great men called Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon was one of the great preachers of our day. And Spurgeon would go through what he called the dark nights of the soul. Whenever he felt like he could not even move because he said, I would get so discouraged. And the truth is, even though many of us know Jesus Christ and have the, the Holy Spirit living in our lives, there are times whenever we go through a time wherever life just gets so tough, we don't know if we can go on. Now I want to share the story with you about one of the most amazing men in the Bible who had one of the greatest spiritual victories that ever occurred and he also went through the greatest slump that we ever see in Scripture. His name was Elijah. Elijah was a Tishbite. He came from the hill country. He was really an uneducated prophet. But God used him in a powerful way when a king named Ahab came on the throne of Israel. Ahab had a powerful ally in his wife named Jezebel. And out of a political sense, wanting to expand the nation of Israel and wanting to do it for popularity, Ahab decided to bring in to Israel the worship of a god called Baal, or Baal, we call it. And Baal, he wanted to see become the religion of Israel. And God used this prophet, he used this country preacher named Elisha to challenge him in a place called Mount Carmel. And it's an incredible story. I, if, if you have your Bibles or if you, if you don't, if you want to go over to Bible Gateway, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And we're going to spend a lot of times in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And I want you to see this incredible showdown that took place uh, in, in chapter 18. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, and he used literally he said, If Elohim is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And then look at verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, uh, I am but one prophet left of the Lord, but Baal has a prophet 450. Now, in actuality, he was not facing down 450 men, but if you read back in 1 Kings chapter 18, there were another 400. There were 850 against him, but it was 450 that he was facing down. Now, here's the test that they put. Uh, the, the test that he put, look at verse number 23. Uh, therefore give him two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, one for the worshipers of Baal, cut it into pieces, lay it on the fire, but put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull. And lay it on the fire, but no fire, put no fire under it. Look, look at what he said, verse 24. Then you, talking to the people of Baal, call on the name of your God, 
and I will call on the name of Yahweh, the God who answers by fire because he is God. So there's a showdown. Get it. Follow me through. Here's Elijah, the country preacher on one side. You build your altar, let me build mine. You call down fire. If Baal is God, he'll consume the calf that's cut up. He'll consume it with fire. But if God is God, then he will consume my fire. Now I want you to see what happened. Guys, this is one man standing against 450. So look on down, verse 26. So they took the bull which he'd given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even to noon, saying, Baal, hear us. But listen to this. And if you write in your Bible, if you want to circle a word, you may want to circle that phrase, but there was no voice. My Hebrew professor in seminary, uh, Elmo Scoggins, said really what it says in the text was they would call out, Baal, come down, Baal, come down, Baal, come down. And there was no answer. Uh, Brother Rip, it says in the Hebrew, the heavens were silent. No one answered. There was silence. <laughs> I love what Elijah did. If you go on down in the rest of the verse, verse 27, and so it was about noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. If he is God, he's either meditating or he's too busy or he's on a journey and I love this. Or perhaps he's sleeping and you must wake him up. <laughs> what a great response. He says, listen, if your God is who he says he is, maybe he's asleep. Cry a little louder. And the Bible tells us from 6 o'clock in the morning till noon, these 450 prophets cried to Baal and nothing happened. I say this word to us as a people of God. There are times, folks, and me and all of us particularly, where we're going to have to take some risk in these days. And we may not know what's going to happen. And we may be out there where it's us and the Lord. That's a great place to be. Now I want you to see what happened as we walk through the text. Um, then on down, in, if you go on all the way down up to verse, chapter, verse 32, this is when Elijah is calling on the God of heaven. And then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs uh, of seed. That, those were huge jars full of water. He put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces. He laid him on the wood and he said fill up four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and they did it once they just soaked down the wood and the bull and then in verse 34 he said do it again do it a second time and then after that was completed if you go down to verse number 36 and it came to pass at the time of the offering in the evening sacrifices about six o'clock that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things. O oh Lord, hear me. You are God. 
and you have turned their hearts back to them again. Now I want you to see what happened in verse 38. Then the fire of God fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stone, and the dust. The New King James Version said it licked up the water. <laughs> now I, I kind of want to think about Indiana Jones, da, 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 da. you know, y'all saw Indiana Jones where the uh, Steven Spielberg put out these special effects and the like. That's what happened. Fire came out of heaven. Not only did it consume the, the, the wood and consume the bull, it consumed the water. There was no doubt. And at the order in the rest of the chapter, Elijah said to Ahab, God is God and not Baal. We will not worship Baal. And, and the 450 prophets were executed. I know we don't understand everything about that, but it was uh, a military custom. And then I want you to see what happened at the end of the chapter after the victory was won in verse uh, number 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins, and he, listen to what it says, he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Folks, he was excited. There was such an uh, excitement in his life that it manifested itself in a physical outcome. With the power uh, of, of the victory that occurred, the prophet ran in victory. And you say, man, that's a great story. It would be a great story if we'd only see what happened next. Look at 1 Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and all how he had executed all the prophets. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah so let the gods do to me. This is what the queen said to Elijah. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if, by to, if, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she threatened him. Now folks, this is a man who's on a spiritual mountaintop, and at the first threat that comes against him, I want you to see what happens. Look at verse number 3. And when he saw that, he listen, this is Elijah, he arose and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. He was afraid. He backed up. The greatest spiritual one of the, I'd say one of the five greatest dramatic spiritual victories in the Bible by one of the two men who did not experience death because 2 Kings chapter 2 tells us that Elijah was rode into heaven. Enoch was the other one. And yet this man faded and became discouraged. In fact, verse 4 says that he came underneath a a broom tree, a broom tree is a bush out in the wilderness and said, let me die. 
he became suicidal. I want to say this principle to you. It's almost a side principle. But sometimes whenever we experience the greatest spiritual victories in our life is the time that we are the most susceptible to sin and failure. He was on a high and then the first threat put him down. Why? Very simply, it's easy to understand. Because if God did it today, why does he not do it yesterday? Men, can I say this to men and can I also let the ladies listen in? We cannot expect to live our lives on a spiritual high. We are saved, we have been changed, and God's Spirit has filled us. But until we get to heaven, there will be the challenges in life that want to bring us down. But here's what I want to share with you this morning. I'm, I'm, uh, I got more text than time. <laughs> I want you to see God's response to him. Now, now look, this man's discouraged. He's in the wilderness and um, he, he's at a point of saying, I just... I just want to die. And go down to verse 11. And then he, this being he, being God Elohim, said, go out and stand before the mountain on the mountain of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Listen to how he passed by in verse 11. And a great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke the rock into pieces before the Lord. That's something. A wind tore through, tearing down rocks and trees. I, I, I think they call it today a microburst came through. And in all of that power, listen to what it says. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake. How many of you have been in an earthquake? There you go. It's a frightening thing. I was in one in Charleston as a college student, and I ran down the hall hollering. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I've been saved about a year. I said, he's coming, he's coming. I had a lost fraternity brother right behind me. He said, no, he's not, no, he's not. It's a frightening experience to be in an earthquake. It says an earthquake came, but listen to what it says. The Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Wind, earthquake, fire. And after that, a still, small voice. And Elijah heard it and wrapped his face in his mantle and went out of the cave and suddenly a voice came and said, What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, and I look at this text and I, I think about it, and this is not, this is more interpretation than it is exposition. Elijah didn't need a, 
He didn't need a microburst of great wind. He didn't need an earthquake. He didn't need fire. He needed to hear God in a still, small voice speak to him and say, Elijah, why are you discouraged? One of, one of my favorite, there's so many stories. One of the favorite events that happened in the life of the Lord Jesus was when John the Baptist was about to be executed by Herod, who sat upon the throne of Israel, a, a, a clever politician, very terrible morals, and John the Baptist was getting ready to be executed. And John sent his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you, I know I baptized you, I saw the Spirit come down, but I want to ask you a question. Are you the Christ, or do we need to look for another? And then Jesus gave these great words. He said, go back and tell John, John the Baptist, that the, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. He's telling them, I'm Lord. I want to say this to men and to all of us. The greatest encourager you have in your life, I, I've been married uh, <laughs> 45 years, I think, coming up next month. Some of you have been married longer than that. My wife's an encourager to me. I hope I'm an encourager to her. But you know, she's not my greatest encourager. I have friends that I talk to I love but they're not the greatest encouragers in my life. I have a daughter and two grandchildren. I have, boy, and grandchildren great, granddaddies. They're just great. You can feed them sugar and send them home. Amen. <laughs> just load them up with sugar and send them home. Well, you get Papa D gives me this. They love me. My grandchildren love me. But you know what? They're not the greatest encouragers I got. The greatest encourager that you and I have is the Lord Jesus who lives in us. And I want to say a word. Listen, my time's gone. I want to say this word to you. If you are discouraged, and, and I'm not going to have time to get through all of this this morning, but I, I want to say a word to you. If, if, you're, if you're living with discouragement, sometimes we need help. We need to tell our doctors and our physicians because... We have some things that can help us today. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and if, if you need help, talk to someone. I'll, I'll, we'll work time out for me to talk to you, one of our deacons. But here's what I want to say to you, this. You need to hear that still, small voice saying, I'm with you. I got you. Now, there may be somebody here this morning with a cancer, cancer diagnosis. There are people here who've walked through terrible griefs. There are people here who are going through some things that I have absolutely no idea of. But I want to tell you, God can unslump your life. He can make you new. I want you to stand with me, and I want to thank you for listening.
You know, I spent a lot of time this morning going through the text, but that's okay because the text is what changes us. Amen. And I want you to hear this morning, first of all, just an invitation from this message. If you need someone to encourage you, the Spirit of God who you have in you, if you ask Him, He will. But the first step for us as followers of Christ is repentance. Is to come to Him and say, Lord Jesus, I just leave this at your feet and I ask you to forgive me. And He will do it. Maybe you're here and you have religion. You may be a member of a church, but there's never really been a change. And you're asking Lord, Lord, change me. Change my life. He can do it. He can do it. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the, for the Word of God, uh, for seeing the life of Elijah. And Father, later on, and, and uh, you would take this man over a period of 10 years, and Elijah would uh, see victory. And we know sometimes the victories aren't immediate. But Father, that you're in control. So I thank you for these men who are here. I thank you for these, all of us, the moms and the, the singles and everyone who's here. And I pray that we might hear that still small voice. Thank you, Father, for bringing us out of the slumps in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's the invitation to you this morning. If you feel like the Lord has led you to the Forest Heights Baptist Church, this is the place He wants you to be. Come and join. This church would love to have you be a part of their family. What we require is very simply this, to know Jesus and to walk through believer's baptism. Maybe you've never walked through believer's baptism. And we got, Richard, we got a baptism. Yeah, amen, you can see it, yeah. In fact, we'll baptize you today. <laughs> and you say, I've never done that. I want to walk through believer's baptism. You come and we'll, we'll walk through the waters with you. An outward picture of what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you uh, want to be a part of the church. You're already a believer. You come. But here's, here's the main invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a slump. And you don't think anybody can bring you out of it. God can. If you want to come pray, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you need to pray in your seat, say, Father, I believe you. Speak to me. Let's sing together as you come as God leads. Take up thy cross and
Isn't it great to have a master you can follow? And we have one we can follow. Well, I want you to pray for Bible school this week. Pray for all of us old people who are going to be here this week too. We're going to get through it. Nobody gets hurt. We're going to have a good time. And we're looking forward to it. Let's, let's, let's end by doing that. Also, uh, Josh uh, Gideon, their son is going to be having surgery Tuesday. Uh, to have his adenoids and, and tubes put in his ears. I know y'all want to be praying for Gideon and Mama and Daddy. I know we have other people, uh, Steve and Bobby, we're praying for. I have not talked to the McGarrity's. Bobby, can... Uh, um, thank you, Alms, I'm sorry. Can, you got a report on them or how they're... Okay, all right. We'll give them a call today, too. Okay, let's do that. Remember them also. Let's pray before we go. Happy Father's Day. I hope if you're going out to eat, you get in the restaurant fast. If you're going home, I know it's going to be good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today to uh, celebrate the life of our, our fathers, our grandfathers, and thank you for the legacy of those who know Jesus. And give us a good day today as we worship and and uh, just continue to have a good day to celebrate our dad and father as we face bible school this week uh, and father as we uh, see these children we're believing you for children who will come to know jesus uh, next sunday night as the invitation is given we already pray for that that there will be children who will be saved and we thank you in advance and now may your peace, which passes all understanding, go and be with us until we come together again or until we see you face to face. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Brother Richard.